Walter Johnson assaulted the dapper Don John Gotti on a hot July day in 1996. Why'd he do it? Who is Walter Johnson? Did the mob take revenge? Who am I and why in the hell would I know anything about it? I'll give you the answers to these questions that have been around for more than 20 years. Now, if you're wondering why you're watching these turkeys walk around, this is, uh, this is about what I used to do when I seen uh, inmates just walking around on the range. This really, this video reminded me of that. So I thought I'd uh, use that to video to illustrate what it's like to sit at the end of the range and watch the inmates just mill around for hours and days, months, years at a time. I personally knew both Walter Johnson and John Gotti. I was there the day of the fight between the two, but I wasn't assigned to that cell block. I responded with many other officers when the uh, unit sounded that alarm. I had worked at USP Marion for over seven years when this incident happened. I worked another 16 years there before I retired, and I was a guard the whole time that I worked at the Supermax Level 6 Federal Prison. At the time of the pipe, if you want to call it that, Johnson was serving a 10-year stretch for bank robbery. At the time, most convicts served about two-thirds of their sentence before making parole. Johnson served 94% of his time and was transferred to Marion for his violent and disruptive behavior. He learned nothing in prison except to become more violent. I've heard the term mad dog put on many people, but it fit Johnson best of anybody I ever met. He was the type of prisoner that Marion was built for. As far as I could tell, he had no redeeming qualities, not a drop of mercy. His soul was eaten up with hate and rage. He's one of the few inmates that I've ever feared. I always thought that he would murder for the pleasure of killing. I never told anybody, but I thought to myself one day, this guy's going to hit the streets and make a lot of people very sorry they ever met him. It turned out I was a far more correct in that opinion than I'd imagined. Everybody has heard of the dapper Don John Gotti, boss of the Gambino crime family, best known of the mafia bosses in New York City at the time. He didn't need in $1,000 plate restaurants anymore or wear his $10,000 suits, but he did carry himself as if he was still a crime boss, a man to be feared and shown respect. You know, his uniform was always neat, clean, and pressed. There are two stories about why Johnson assaulted Gotti that day. I'll tell you the first, and what I initially thought. It was hot, and in southern Illinois, it's humid in the extreme. It's no joke when I tell you that I've been in South America, and uh, came back from the jungle, got on a plane, landed at the uh, airport just down the road from us here, and thought, oh my goodness, it's more comfortable in the South American jungle than it is here at uh, Marion. There's no air conditioning and few fans to move the hot, humid air around. The smell of human sweat is overpowering in that close space. Everybody's uncomfortable and tempers are short. So when I ran out to the uh, report that day, you know, of a fight in a unit, I thought it was just two convicts that blew up and decided to stomp a mud hole in each other's ass. In truth, it was much more complicated than that. Prior to this incident, two things were going on. First, the three commissioners of the Aryan Brotherhood prison gang wanted to extend their influence beyond prison walls. They had recently had a reorganization of the gang with the advice and help of John Cotty. Now, he helped them turn it into more of a 
criminal organization concerned with profit more than power. This contrasted with the way they previously ran the gang and they used violence just for the sake of violence and profit took a back seat. Now the gang still uses violence to achieve its end, but it has a purpose and it's not violence just for the sake of violence. Rumor had it that Gotti was protected by the ABs while at Marion, but there came a time before July 1996 that they expected to get paid for this service with more than technical advice. They wanted money and favors done for them outside the prison walls. Gotti was rumored to have refused. He still thought he was the boss. The other thing that day that before Johnson attacked Gotti was that both he and Gotti met on the upper range of the cell house traveling in opposite directions. I can tell you that that walk is only about two feet wide, three feet at the most. Two people can't pass in a normal manner. One has to get out of the way for the other. Johnson, the hate-filled, violent personality obsessed with the you know, his own attitude and nobody tells me what to do. And Gotti, the powerful mafia boss. Neither will get out of the way for the other. Words are exchanged and Johnson feels he's been disrespected in public. The fuse has been lit. Now, this came to me from the unit staff that worked there when I talked to them just after this fight. So I have no personal knowledge of their that meeting. I'm just going on what I was told by the people that were there. Whatever the real cause, Johnson attacked Gotti without warning. All fights in prison start without warning. I made a video about this fight. Look it up if you're interested. I didn't make it clear in that video that this was not a fair fight. It was an assault. Gotti was attacked without warning by a much younger and stronger opponent. Johnson was born on the 18th of December, 1967, which made him 28 or so, to Gotti's 56. By the time Gotti knew he was in a fight, it was half over. Considering all the circumstances, you know, Gotti did about as well as to be expected. My opinion as to Johnson's motive is this. If the ABs had wanted to assault Gotti, they would have had one of their own do it. If they'd hired a hit on Gotti, Johnson would have been provided a weapon to stab the arrogance right out of Gotti. Nothing sends a message like 20 puncture wounds. I've seen this type of message sent before. It was not an uncommon way to get somebody's attention at Marion. It's my opinion, based on over 20 years behind the wall, that this was a private matter with Johnson. He's a hate-filled, very, very dangerous man. Later events will add credence to this opinion. What happened to Johnson and Gotti after this incident? Well, I'll tell you. Gotti died in 2002 from cancer at the Federal Prison Hospital in Springfield. The same year Gotti died, members of the ABs were charged in a federal indictment for racketeering by taking the contract to kill Johnson for the Mafia. Johnson was released from prison on the 15th of May 2001. He'd served the rest of his sentence, protected by the Bureau of Prisons, against retaliation by the mob and the Aryan Brotherhood. Less than a month after his release from prison on the 10th of June 2001, in Washington, D.C., Johnson jumped the turnstile on the D.C. Metro. He was observed by an employee who alerted the police. Johnson was contacted at the U Street Cardozo station by a 33-year-old police officer who immigrated from Guatemala just a few years earlier. 
Just like he did to Gotti years before, Johnson viciously attacked Officer Morales without warning. Johnson took Morales' pistol and shot him in the face, killing him. The father of three young children died on that dirty platform trying to arrest a guy for not paying the fee for a public transportation. Four days after killing Officer Morales and stealing his pistol, Johnson was stopped while driving a car with an expired inspection sticker in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Officer Harvey noticed that Johnson was reluctant to pull over, was very nervous and moving around a lot when he spoke to him. When he asked what he was doing, Johnson told the cop he was going home after buying diapers for his baby mama. Johnson's not the brightest bulb in the box because the cop noticed that he didn't have any diapers in the car. He called for backup and it probably saved his life. Unknown to the police, Johnson had the murder's cop's gun on him, a fugitive warrant with his name on it, and a life without parole sentence in his future. When Officer Harvey and his two backup officers attempted to cuff Johnson to investigate if the car was stolen and figure out who he was since he didn't have any ID on him, Johnson went for the gun in his pants. Things didn't look too good for the cops as Johnson, who works out for hours every day. He does sit-ups, push-ups, and he runs for hours. And he was getting the best of them. He was inches from the gun and the 15 bullets to kill the three cops. As luck would have it, an off-duty police officer saw the situation, ran across the street, and helped subdue Johnson before he could kill the three cops. Did the Mafia get revenge for the Gaudi assault? Was all forgiven since the Mafia Don was dead? <laughs> Maybe not. A few days before Johnson went on trial for the murder, attempted murder, possession of a concealed firearm, and probably jumping a turnstile, he was assaulted in the D.C. jail. Nobody knows who stabbed him 40 times. Four zero times. The motive is also unknown. Johnson, you know, he could have died from his wounds while he was in the hospital. His lungs were punctured. They were trying to get him in the heart. And he was, his lungs started to fill up. And he was drowning in his own blood. Was this the Mafia Don reaching out from the grave to get his revenge? Eh, who knows? I can tell you Johnson's doing life without parole for the murder of Officer Morales at the ADX in Florence, Colorado, the new Supermax federal prison that took USP Marion's place. When he finished his life sentence, he still got 10 years to do in a Pennsylvania prison. Oh yeah, while he remains in federal custody, Johnson will be protected from the mafia and the Aryan Brotherhood. Who knows? With any luck, Johnson will try to escape and die on the wire from a well-placed rifle bullet. You know. We can only hope, right? Now, yeah, almost forgot to tell you. The uh, photograph that I wanted to include of Walter Johnson, it's unavailable. You see, uh, the government says that it's a secret. They can't release his photo because uh, they don't want to violate his rights of privacy. And uh, same thing happened with the Philadelphia police. You know, it's part of an investigation, even though it happened 17 years ago. But, uh, you know, they can't release his photograph because it's part of an investigation. So all this transparency stuff that you hear about the government, yeah, yeah, it's all transparent, all right? They're telling us exactly what they're doing. Now, if you enjoyed this video, then don't be an ass. Hit the like button. And would it kill you to subscribe?